I would imagine that the majority of you will have at least one TV in the house where this game is playing. And here's the question I want to ask is, um, there's actually several reasons why you might want to tune in tonight. So how many of you, it's because you uh, cannot wait to watch the football? How many of you like, are just huge football fans? Anyone who's like, yeah, I don't care who's in the game, I just want to watch it. Okay, cool. Um, how many of you, out of those who are like, excited to see the game, want to see the Patriots win? Two, three, four. Okay, yeah, three, four. All right, how many of you want to see the Falcons win? Quite a few more. Okay. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because I didn't know we had quite so many Falcons fans at Connect. But maybe, just maybe, because I found out this week that 53% of America are cheering for the Falcons. 53% of Americans want the Falcons to win. Now, I don't think that one in two Americans are Falcons fans. I don't think that means that 53% of America uh, are, are fans of Atlanta. I think that means that 53% of Americans want to see the Patriots lose. And whoever's playing, it's like we're cheering for the team that's against the Patriots. So let's see what happens tonight. It'll be an interesting game to see if, uh, it, uh, who wins that game. But maybe for you, you couldn't care less about the game. You're watching tonight for one reason only, and that is the halftime show. Maybe you're a big Lady Gaga fan. Any Lady Gaga fans out there? Yeah, nice. I think there's probably less Lady Gaga fans than there were Patriots fans, but, uh, but maybe that's why. Maybe you're tuning in for the, uh, the halftime show, or uh, I have to be honest, this is kind of one of my favorite uh, things about Super Bowl night, is uh, this right here, the food. Because let's be honest, it's a great time to just kind of get the chips and the salsa and the guacamole and all the... Uh, I had a friend who told me this morning that he was at Costco yesterday. Worst mistake of his life. He said the place was just packed. People were smashing carts into each other. It was just chaos, he said, because everyone was stocking up for the big game tonight. I read this week that 71 million pounds of avocados were sold just last week. 71 million pounds of avocados to make our guacamole. I didn't know that we had that many pounds of, of guacamole, of, of avocados in America. But just last week, we sold 71 pound, million pounds of them. This week, I read that 20%, uh, there'll be a 20% rise in sales of antacids. There will be, yes, more indigestion pills, more indigestion tablets. So this week, 20% more than normal. But let's be honest, I think we could all say that one of the big reasons we're tuning in tonight is for this. Now, not the Doritos, but the commercials, okay? How many of you enjoy watching the game because you just enjoy the commercials? I'm like, I, I, I mean, I don't support either of these teams. I enjoy watching football, but I have to be honest, I love the commercials, I'm the guy that, like, when, when it cuts to commercials, I'm like, shh, okay, real quiet, quiet. I want to see this commercial. I use the restroom and get my food during the game. I want to get back in time for the commercials because I just love watching them. They're always so creative, and there's some, just some really funny ones, and every year there's normally one that just kind of everyone's talking about the next day. Do you guys remember this commercial from a couple of years ago? And there's your beautiful baby. Any day now. Really? You're eating Doritos? He's eating Doritos on my ultrasound. Do you see what I have to do? I know. <laughs> oh, give me that. Just some of these creative commercials, they come on every time, don't they? And get you thinking, get you talking the next day. 
So what I want to do this morning is I've got this message, and I've called it 30-second theology. We did this last year. We're going to do it again today. Um, well, we're going to spend some time this morning talking about God and talking about the Bible, but through the, the lens of maybe some different commercials. We're going to take a look at a few commercials this morning and uh, just use them to kind of tie into the message I want to share. But before I start, you know, it's fascinating because I don't know all of your stories here this morning. I don't know if you've been coming to Connect for years and years or if this is your very first Sunday. I don't know if you grew up going to church or if this is a new experience to you altogether. So when I say something like we're going to be talking about God this morning, I need to realize that that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Maybe this morning your concept of God is one of a, a loving father who you have a relationship with. Maybe when I talk about God, it's the complete opposite. You have this other perspective of what you think God is like. Maybe for you, your, uh, your idea of what God was like was fashioned for you because of the house in which you grew up in or the, the, the family who raised you, maybe your parents, your grandparents. But the reality is every one of us can have a different view of God based on our own perspective, our own upbringing, our own environment. And maybe, maybe the perspective you've got, maybe the impression you've got of God isn't the right one. Because it can be easy, can't it, to, to jump to the wrong conclusion, to, to come up with a false impression of someone. My family and I just recently, we uh, went out to eat, all five of us, and we went to a restaurant, and the waiter came to serve us. He was a younger guy, but he was kind of tall, and he was very well built, and as he started to take our role, he had this deep, booming voice. Uh, in fact, we were talking about it after he left the table, that he could be like a movie star or on radio, because he had that real strong voice. And the more he talked, and the more he asked us questions about what we wanted to order, the more I was starting to get scared of this guy. He was like big, and he was kind of intimidating. He, kept, he almost had that kind of Darth Vader feel about him. He's, you know, very strong voice. And I'm like, in fact, as, during our order, I'd, I'd ordered salads, and I thought, you know, I might have soup instead, but I was too scared to tell him. <laughs> I just stuck with salads because this guy, he was a scary-looking guy. Now, I'm sure that he was probably the nicest guy. I'm sure he had friends who he hangs out with, and he laughs. And, uh, but at that moment, I came to this conclusion that this guy scares me. If I get something wrong, he's going to... Darth Vader, like, you know, it's like a scary guy. And the truth is that many of us, maybe our view of God has been fashioned incorrectly. Like I say, maybe you grew up in a home and uh, or the church you grew up in, and your view of God was one of a God that's kind of an angry God or a God that may feel like you feel like he's against you. Maybe your view of God is based on some of his followers, You've met some people that are followers of Jesus, and, and based on the way they behave or the way they treat you, you think, man, that God can't be very nice. In fact, he even feels kind of scary. I wonder if this morning, your view of God as a father is a little bit like this commercial. Check this out. Oh, you look good. Thank you. Hey! See the guy taking my little girl out, huh? Yep. Huh. You know what, why don't you go ahead and take my new car? Thanks, Pops. Go ahead, baby. Watch this. <laughs> Boom! Favorite spot? Favorite girl. You messing with the wrong daddy! I'm taking you home. Why? Car Finder on the Hyundai Genesis. Back so soon? Here you go, sir. Because a dad's gotta do what a dad's gotta do. 
Honey, what'd you guys do tonight? So I know the dads out there are like, hey, I have no problem with that whatsoever. If anyone wants to take my daughter, that's exactly what he's going to have to go through. But the truth is, I wonder if some of us, our, our view for whatever reason of, of God the Father is kind of like that, that he's, he's watching us all the time, ready to shake his finger or be mad or be, you know, we, we just feel like he's, he's this uh, angry God looking for us to all the time do something bad. You see, as I read through um, the Bible, as I read through people who describe God, I see a different side of God altogether. I see a different description, especially those who spent time with Jesus. Those who spent time with Jesus or spent time with his disciples, they had a very different view of who God was. Because they got to experience through the life of Jesus and through what he taught them about God the Father, a very different perspective. In fact, one of the guys, his name was Paul. And Paul writes something fascinating about God here that we're going to read here in just a second. But before we read it, let me give you a little background on who this guy Paul was. Because you see, Paul, he used to go by the name Saul, okay? Because Paul wasn't always a follower of Jesus. Under the name Saul, he actually was the complete opposite. He spent his life persecuting Christians and looking for, for Christians so that he could arrest them and imprison them for their faith. He was trying to wipe out this movement, these followers of Jesus. In fact, there was even an account of one of the followers of Jesus that he had stones to death simply because he followed Jesus. So you've got this guy, Saul. He's a hater of Christians, a hater of Jesus. And then one day he has this incredible encounter with him. And as a result of this encounter, his life is changed forever. And he discovers that Jesus loves him and that God the Father loves him. And if there was anyone who had any reason to believe that God would be against him or angry at him, it's Paul, because of who Paul once was. But listen to how Paul describes Father God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 38, he's writing to the city of Rome. He says this, he says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Paul is saying there is nothing, nothing that can separate you from how much God loves you. And even though he was writing at this point to the people of Rome, I believe the words are just as true to us this morning that God loves each and every one of you here so much. He loves you, and there is nothing that can separate you from that love. And you may think, but Dave, you you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's going on in my life right now. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's what Paul was saying to them. That's what Paul is saying to us this morning, that nothing in your life can separate you from how much God loves you. And this is great news for us this morning. I'll tell you why this is great news for us this morning, because not only is it great news to know that God isn't the angry father looking to punish us all the time, but he's actually a God who loves us so much. Not only does he love us so much, but I believe he's created within every one of us a desire to be loved. I honestly believe that every one of us has this desire inside to love and to be loved, and that that was put there by God. We all, uh, we just need somebody to love us, don't we? Check out this video. 
Get up, I die a little. Can't barely stand on my feet. Take a look Take at yourself in the mirror and cry. And cry. What you doing? Yeah, yeah. I spent all my years Ooh. believing you. I, I just can't get Somebody, somebody, anybody find me? Somebody to Introducing the all-new Ridgeline, the only truck with an available truck bed audio system. A new truck to love. From Honda. Freddie Mercury there, singing the words, we need somebody to love. And not only do I believe that God loves us so much, I think he's put within all of us this desire to find love. There was one of the disciples, his name was John, and after the death of Jesus, he wrote this letter uh, in 1 John. Listen to what he said. He says in 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. John's saying here, listen, that love that you feel inside of you, that love comes from God. Not only does God love each and every one of us, he's put within us this desire to love back, to love him. We, we see it in our lives. We see it as we love others in our lives. Maybe some of you this morning are in a relationship. If you're married, you, you've done that because of that love that's within you. But I believe that God has put this love inside of us because he wants us to connect with him. He loves us and he wants us to love him back. He wants to be a part of our lives. But despite God's amazing love for all of us, despite the fact that we have this desire inside us to love, still we'll find that when it comes to a relationship with God, that there is a barrier that we have to overcome. This barrier isn't on God's side. Nothing separates us from the love of God. This is a barrier that's, that's within us. It's a barrier that prevents us from having that perfect God enter into a relationship with an imperfect person. Because you see, the truth is that every one of us here this morning, none of us are perfect. I mean, you may be close to perfect, but none of us are actually 100% perfect. And the reason is because we've got inside of every one of us what the Bible calls sin. Sin is the wrong things that we do, the bad things in our life. And listen to um, a prophet by the name of Isaiah in the Old Testament. He said this in Isaiah 59.2. He said, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. So even though nothing can separate us from the love of God, this sin that's in our lives, it becomes like a barrier between us and God. And you might think, well, I'm, I'm really trying not to do that. I'm really trying not to, but I, I just can't help it. Because let's be honest, if you're a parent here this morning, and I had to ask you, you know, take me back to that point when your, your kids were growing up. Take me back to that phase, you know, when they were maybe just starting to get out of diapers, and, and you had to really work hard with them to teach them to be naughty. How did that go for you? You know, was that hard work? Did that take up? Oh, yeah, my second child. We had to really work with them a lot because they were not getting the hang of it. But finally, they started to be really naughty. And we were like, okay, they're picking it up. We didn't have to do that, did we? None of us had to teach our kids to do wrong. None of us had to teach our kids to be naughty. Just something in them, something in us, it just kind of came naturally, didn't it? 
Maybe you've got more than one kid. Maybe you've got some siblings in your house. And when it comes to being naughty, your home looks something like this. Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, brother, know the world is sweet, but blood is thicker. Oh, the sky comes falling down for you. There's nothing in this world I would do. Hey, what if I'm falling? We got some kids like that in my house, and there's no music playing in the background. It's like screaming, like, he touched me, he kicked me under the table, yeah. We never had to teach our kids to do that. They just kind of did it, didn't they? That naughtiness, that, that thing the Bible calls sin, it's just in us from birth. And the Bible actually calls it the, the sinful nature. It calls it that, that, that uh, nature that's within us that will draw us to do those wrong things that we do. And the, the difficulty is we've got a God who loves us so much, nothing can separate us from his love, but as a perfect God, a relationship with an imperfect person, there's this, this barrier in the way. And herein lies the problem. So, so what do we do about this barrier, this, this sin, these wrong things in our life? Well, I think we've tried to come up with a few ways, haven't we? I think sometimes we think, well, I'll just try and be as well-behaved as possible. I'll just try and be good enough. I'll just really work hard this week on, on being good and, and being well-behaved. Or maybe we try the, the flip side of that. I'll just try and do as, as little bad as possible this week. I'll just try not to do, I know last week I messed up a few times, so this week I'll try really hard not to make the same mistakes that I made this week. Maybe some of you have tried this. I know I'm bad, but have you seen that person over there? <laughs> He's badder, <laughs> definitely. I'm not as bad as that person. We kind of justify it, don't we, because we look to someone else in our lives or someone else in this world. Well, at least I'm not like that, or at least I'm not doing this. It doesn't take away the wrong in our lives, but it kind of makes us feel a little bit better because it's not quite as wrong as this person. Some, I think, choose this option. I'll just carry around enough guilt to make up for the bad that's in me. If I can just feel guilty enough, it'll somehow compensate the bad things I do. But the reality is, none of these solutions deal with the barrier between us and God. This barrier that's created by this, this word called sin, it's like a gap. It's like a gap, like a huge chasm. Maybe you've seen there's a, a picture sometimes that kind of illustrates this, of this chasm between God on one side and, and man on the other. And that chasm, that gap in the middle is, is that sin. And, and no matter how hard we try, we'll never be good enough or we'll never not be bad enough to bridge that chasm. And here's where the love of God comes in. Here's where the love of God comes in, because you see, God knew, God loved us so much, he wants a relationship with us so much, that he knew there was nothing we were going to be able to do. So he sent Jesus. 
And that cross in that chasm there, that illustrates the, the price that God was willing to pay because he loved you and me so much. Listen to how Paul describes it in Romans chapter 5. He says in verse 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God loved you and God loved me so much that while we were still sinners, while we were still in this state of, of doing wrong and falling short, God sent Jesus to die for us. That's how much he loves you. This loving Father, Father God, loves each and every one of us so much that he was willing to send Jesus. And all we need to do this morning is to believe, to believe that to be true, to make that choice, to turn from our ways, to turn from trying to figure it out ourselves, to turn from trying to be good enough, trying to do all our strength, and to simply make that decision to say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for trying hard in my strength? Will you forgive me for trying to figure this all out by myself? Will you forgive me for these wrong things that I've done that sometimes I can't help doing? Jesus, will you forgive me? Because I want to have a relationship with this God that loves me so much. I know he's put this love inside of me. I want to love him back. And I know that I can't do that without your help. So I hope this morning that maybe some of you who have not ever made that choice would do that today. Maybe some of you can relate to the, the stick figure that was on the other side of the chasm. You, you're sitting here this morning thinking, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like God is a long way away. I feel like there's a lot between me and him. In fact, I feel like I've got to work really hard to try and bridge that gap. Well, you know what? God bridged the gap for you. God bridged the gap because he loves you so much. He wants that relationship with you. All you need to do is acknowledge and believe that. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to make a decision to follow you. You know, the truth is we've, we've kind of had some fun this morning with the games and the, the videos, that kind of thing. But the reality is that on this Super Bowl Sunday, the message I want to send you away with is that God loves you so much. And the challenge I want to send you away with is what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that knowledge of knowing that God loves you? Will you respond to him this morning? And for those of you who are sitting on the fence here this morning, like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I'm ready to respond. Can I just show you one last video? Because I think this last commercial may kind of illustrate what the problem is for some of us who are, who are kind of there. We feel like we want to respond, but there's still something that kind of stops us from, from taking that step. So check out this video, and I'll talk about it afterwards.
So that commercial was put together by a, an agency in the Philippines, and they tied it in around the release of the Rogue One Star Wars movie last year. And they were working alongside a children's hospital there in the Philippines to try and raise money and raise awareness for the, the particular hospital. So the money they were trying to raise was to meet needs, but the awareness they were trying to raise was to, to kind of communicate that some of these kids in this hospital are dealing not only with sickness, but the, the embarrassment and the shame that comes with having to live with that sickness. They illustrated that with that little girl there who was kind of embarrassed by this mask that she had to wear all the time. So rather than be embarrassed and feel like she didn't fit in and feel like she kind of sticks out amongst her friends, she would wear the, the Stormtrooper helmet all the time. Her brother kind of played along and it became something, you know, of a, uh, something that identified who she was. And I love the end of the commercial where all of her classmates all made the decision to kind of wear a mask as well to say, hey, you're no different than us. We accept you for who you are. We love you. We think you're awesome. And in that moment, the courage she had to then remove the mask and reveal the, the sickness she was battling. You see, I think the problem for some of us in stepping into that relationship with God is the mask that we wear. Because let's be honest, most of us wear some form of a mask, don't we? Most of us have some kind of an outward appearance that gives the impression that everything's okay and this is who I want you to see. I definitely don't want you to see who's behind the mask. But God does know who's behind the mask. God knows the real you. Here at Connect Church, we're trying to create a culture where you can come just as you are. That you don't need to wear a mask to step in here on a Sunday morning. That you can come just as you are. Because the truth is that, that that's how most of us are. Most of us in this room, many of us in this room, our lives are a mess. Every one of us has got a story of some kind of mess and some kind of problems and some kind of situation. But the reality is that we discovered Jesus and the difference that he can make in our lives. And we came to that point of vulnerability and, and were brave enough to remove the mask and say, God, this is who I am. Because I believe you love me and I don't need to wear the mask in front of you. This is who I am. Because like we read this morning, God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. He bridged the gap for us. We don't need to clean up our acts. We don't need to keep the mask on. We can come and be real in front of him this morning. Because the truth is that many of us, the reason we wear the mask is to hide the shame. We're kind of ashamed. We, the mask becomes something as a, uh, a cover of the shame in our lives. But Jesus told a story about someone just like that. 
There's a story called the prodigal son, and Jesus would tell these stories to illustrate the true heart of God. So this morning, if your view of God was one like the angry father at the beginning, let me tell you how Jesus describes God, the heavenly father. He tells a story about this young man who who decides to take his father's wealth and go out and spend it all and squander it on wild living. He breaks his father's heart by leaving and going off to live away from the family. And one day this son who's who's blown it all, who's, who's got nothing left, who's just stuck feeding pigs, realizes what a mess he's made of his life. He's probably had a mask on, but really in reality he knows that his life is a mess. And in his lowest of lows, he decides, yeah, I've got to go back. I've got to go back to my father. I could just be a servant for him. Even my dad's servants were treated better than I'm being treated right now. So he makes this decision to return to his father to simply be a servant. But listen to how the story ends. Because Jesus is explaining the father's love here. He says, and while... He was still a long way off. While the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. He said, we must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I think for some of us this morning, it's time to remove the mask. Because God's waiting to just run and throw his arms around you. So we're going to close out here by praying. And as I pray, I'm going to ask you just where you're sitting. Maybe you'll say a little prayer yourself. Maybe as I'm praying, you'll just say to God, God, I I recognize that that's who I am. I'm on the wrong side of that chasm. My view of you wasn't right. I, I, I didn't realize you loved me for who I am. And as I pray my prayer, I'm hoping that some of you this morning will just kind of whisper that prayer saying, God, I want to follow you. I want to experience that love. I want to feel like the son in the story whose father ran out to greet him, who threw his arms around him, who threw a celebratory feast because he'd come home. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you are such a loving God. You love each and every one of us. And the reality is, God, that I think we've created some of those barriers ourselves. We've assumed that you couldn't possibly love us. You couldn't possibly be okay because of what I've done or who I am. But the truth is that you love each and every one of us. And these wrong things in our life, we're never going to be able to be right enough. We're never going to be able to be good enough. We're never going to be able to do um, not enough bad. The truth is, God, that if it wasn't for Jesus, we would always be separated from you by this thing in our lives that the Bible calls sin. But thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. I pray for any here this morning that have not responded to that love. I pray right now that in their hearts, in their seats right now, they would be whispering that prayer, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want you in my life. God, I believe that you are literally a prayer away. And that for some of us this morning, we could begin that relationship with you could turn from that life of trying to do it all in our own strength and turn to you. But it takes courage to remove the mask. So help those this morning, Lord, who on the outside are wearing the mask of everything's okay, but on the inside are struggling and broken and hurting. Help them to remove the mask this morning and find the love of the Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.